But, you know, he died as a sacrifice to the greater good or something. Welcome to the Rock Paper Shotgun Electronic Wireless Show. It is episode 55, the 15th of August. I'm Brendan, and I'm joined this week by Noah Smith. Hello. And Matt Cox. Hello. Hi, guys. I like having you both on, because you both haven't been on for ages. And that's unacceptable to me. We've also basically never spoken to each other, me and Noah. So no, yeah, we a... haven't met. We're meeting through disembodied yeah. voices. We no, we've had team calls where you've both we been there, though, right? Have yeah. yeah, but I feel we've never really it's not spoken. The same. <laughs> yeah, this is like a public meeting debut. It's not okay, great. Mm. That means that we can all get to know each other via the medium of saying which video game endings we think are absolutely terrible. Best medium. Does mm. that sound good to you guys? Yes, unifying. Hello, this is Brendan from the future. I'm here to tell you that obviously if we're talking about video game endings, this podcast is going to be packed with spoilers for a lot of games. So I'm just going to read out some of the games that we've spoiled. I think this is an entire list. So please be careful if you want to play any of these games through to the end. So if you don't want Mass Effect 3 spoiled, or Deus Ex Human Revolution, Layers of Fear, Dragon Age Inquisition, uh, Soma, Tacoma, Wally the Disney Movie, uh, if you don't want the ending of Far Cry 5 spoiled, or the ending of Siren, Blood Curse, or Forbidden Siren, or Half-Life 2 Episode 2, or The Walking Dead Season 1, or To the Moon, or Finding Paradise by the makers of To the Moon... Uh, Bioshock, that's another infamously bad ending that we've spoiled. Uh, If you don't want the ending of Silent Hill 2 spoiled and you haven't played Silent Hill 2 yet, you fool, then you should not listen to this podcast, perhaps, because it's full of spoilers for all of those things. And on top of that, there may be trace amounts of spoilers for other things which I haven't listed. So if you don't like spoilers for anything, maybe you should just skip this week. I don't know. We'll be back next week. That said, this is about the worst game endings, so many of these games maybe you're not interested in playing. So it's up to you. Really don't listen if you want to know what happens to Wally at the end of Wally. Brendan from the future, out. I've got like some, but I think they're mostly to be expected, so I'm going to ask. Uh, Matt, what have what have you got? What's a bad ending? Give us a bad ending. Well, I was thinking about this and sort of ran into the problem that I haven't finished many games recently, <laughs> and the ones that I have finished were a while ago, in which I can remember being disappointed and disillusioned with them, but but not really enough of the reasons why. <laughs> Uh, Which is amazing podcast material, but I will go for the obvious one. Or, well, how did we feel about the ending of Mass Effect? The Mass, the, as Mass in Mass Effect, Effect 3? 3. Yeah, yeah, Mass Effect 3. Well, uh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still sore about it. <laughs> yeah. I remember being disappointed that the ending boiled down to the universe being turned into three different colours, or one of three different colours, mm. and that my it didn't feel like a sufficient payoff to, you know, the decisions I'd spent however many years making. Um, do do we remember 
the exact endings. I can only remember the one I chose, which was to make everything nice and um, digital, but also biological. That's like synergy. Synthesis. That's it. I changed the entire universe so that the universe was blue. That was green when... Oh, that was green. The blue one was... Yeah, the blue one was harnessing the Reapers to... Re- you, you took control of the Reapers to rebuild all the mass relays that you destroyed. Because, yeah, that was the thing about it, wasn't it? They um, retconned it and released an entire new ending that changed a bunch of stuff. Um, so, yeah, I'm remembering more about it now. Like One of the things was whatever ending you pick, like a mass relay gets destroyed. And they'd sort of established that when that happens, it wipes out everything in the solar system. Mm. And so when they showed this map of like the mass relays exploding all over the universe, sorry, not the universe, the galaxy, uh, that, that was like, okay, so everything's, everything's dead now? Uh, everybody I met and knew and built up the lives of is gone? Mm. And, you and know, it didn't you... really explain it either, though, did they? Because they sort of just left it. I feel like if they'd given a bit more context after, or like, some kind of reasoning behind it, but just because they show you the mass relays blowing up and then that's it. It's like you just kind of have to fill the blanks yourself. Mm. Yeah, and they, but they did they did go back and fill in some of them. Again, yeah, I can't the extended... remember exactly what they did. Mm. But with the extended ending... more satisfied. With the extended ending, did they like go into what happened to all your characters? They had like that weird montage, didn't they? It was sort of like still images or... Yeah. What you mean, Animatics? like a freeze, a freeze frame of someone like jumping into the sky, and then it's saying, "Thean went on to study maths." Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> Thane did not go on to study maths. Only not that positive. <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Thane. I um, agree, though, about the choices issue, though, because, like, obviously, from a design perspective, like if you're dealing with multiple choice trees, like the amount of variables you have can result in like an explosion. It's super easy to just kind of lose everything. Mm. But so there's always going to be limits, I guess is what I'm trying to say. But yeah, none of the choices that I remember anyway, that you made throughout the series kind of affected anything to do with the final battle, which just seemed really, really anticlimactic or just weird to me. Considering that, you know, the series was based on choice for the most part. Yeah. There were there were a couple of things. The only one I can solidly remember is the Rachni thing, in which, because yeah, I mean they sort of tried to do it by having your war score and your previous decisions did weigh in on that. that. So like in the first game, if you wiped out the Rachni, which were this sort of, uh, I guess, arachnid, insecty, hive-mindy aliens. Oh right, they don't were... join your like yeah. fight. Oh, yeah, yeah, because there was like before the events of Mass Effect One, there was this big Rachni war, um, in which the Krogan were souped up by the Salarians in order to fight the Rachni. I believe. <laughs> if no one's uh, played Mass Effect Three, listening or Mass Effect listening to this, they have no idea what you just <laughs> said. <laughs> just a bunch of weird alien names. Yep. Um, but yeah, like you find an alien queen that survived, like years and years after the war and you can either chat with her and let her go or kill her and that decision comes back because actually what it is yeah if you choose to kill her then another queen that you haven't met comes along in the third one and really? it isn't really detailed it's just well you don't meet her she just like appears through some text which sounds pretty lame um and yeah she hinders you in some way that's so shoehorned. <laughs> yeah, it is. But so we've got Mass Effect, right? I think that the branching like points that you were making, Noah, makes mm. a lot of sense, right? Mm. Or that it'll come up again because one of mine is Deus Ex: Human Revolution, uh, which yeah. you're given three buttons at the end, and a a news anchor AI tells you that you should press one of the three buttons. And they'll all result in different things. It's like very clearly signposted what will happen when you press each of the buttons to the point where one of the buttons is just everyone will live a happy and fulfilling life. Do you want to press the happy fairy tale ending button? <laughs> um, 
and uh yeah and then it like you don't even there's not even an animation to go up and press the button or anything you just tell her i want to press this button yeah and then she she asks you like and it's the style of a computer are you sure and you press okay (laughs) instead of cancel (laughs) and and, uh she just uh, and then it's just like a hard cut a really hard cut to a cinematic which is just archive and stock footage with jensen's like gravelly voice um talking over it saying we humans think that we can control the world um and various stuff like that it's like being rewarded with uh with like a metal gear solid cutscene um i I might be confusing this with the first one but doesn't that decision involve you becoming the dictator of everything um like when you say it's happy and fairy tale, I thought that was what they were going for, as in you can make everything good, but you are putting yourself in a position of ultimate power over everyone. <laughs> Best case scenario. <laughs> That's the fairy tale ending though, right? That's That's not how most of the good fairy tales end. And then they have lived happily ever after, washed over by a ben- by like a-, a nice dictator. Isn't that how they end? <laughs> I mean it's not awful. <laughs> I think when it comes down to like that sort of thing, though, sorry, just what you're saying about the sort of cut and dry choices is like sometimes it works, but sometimes it really, really doesn't because it feels like it's just sort of boiling something. It kind of like strips all the nuance out of it when you're given just straight choices, like ABC choices. Yeah, it's very true. Because I was going to talk about Layers of Fear, which is quite similar. Go on. Well, the the because you've got the main game and then you've got the DLC, uh, which was called Inheritance, I think. And they both have very similar, like, good, bad, middle endings. But in the main game, I thought they worked really well because the actual endings themselves were really interesting. It sort of results in a painting. And what that painting represents is sort of like a reflection of the painter and his personality sort of thing, like his character journey. It sort of works. Hmm. But then in Inheritance, because it's about his daughter, she's kind of having to confront... I guess her childhood. It's supposed to be saying something about like legacy and paternal ties and all that kind of stuff. But it literally was just you either forgive the painter, you refuse to forgive the painter, or you just kind of embrace the fact that you're insane like your painter father. Like it's really weird. It just it was completely not nuanced at all. But both were technically kind of ABC red, blue, green. This is like the three choices you get in every dialogue option in video games which is nice nasty and sarcastic true paragon renegade somewhere yeah. in the middle non-committal <laughs> definitely uh, remember that in dragon age 2 spent the whole game being snarky i wonder what i can't remember what they called it <laughs> i'd love if they just called it snark <laughs> <laughs> yeah wasn't that based on i didn't really play it but it was like kind of was it tone rather than or like your your intent or something how they um Something like that. My memory's real bad. It's okay, Dragon Age 2 is not a memorable game. Yeah. Yeah. The layouts of the levels are very memorable because you repeat them over and over and over again. <laughs> Goddamn cave. It's the the like the slum cat what do you call them? Like the town bits. I don't know, sewers? Are they sewers? Maybe they're not that memorable. Oh no. I mean, there are alienages. That's what they call where the elves go, I think. Uh, mm. I hate to rag on Bioware, but Dragon Age Inquisition's ending was a bit anticlimactic <laughs> as well. <laughs> I yeah. think we should rag on Bioware. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've never played through Dragon Age Inquisition, but I don't care if it's spoiled for me, so you can tell me what happens if you want. I mean, the main game's kind of easy to spoil because the the sort of end fight was a bit... It was just kind of meh, because you go up against Corypheus, who's like the big, the big bad of the game. But it, I, I don't, I can't really put my finger on why it just didn't work for me. It just felt really, really empty. And because the fight itself was a bit blare, the party scene afterwards where everyone's like congratulating you on your victory and telling you how great and awesome you are. It's like, okay, but it wasn't that hard. <laughs> Um, but then I kind of feel like it's all null and void because Trespasser came out and just blew everything out of the water. I kind of feel like that should have been the main ending. But I don't I really want to spoil that because that was brilliant. <laughs> you haven't played huh. it? No. Oh, please do. I was sort of very, very done with Dragon Age 3 by the time I 
finished it. Yeah, it was really... I mean, what did you feel about the final? Because I can't really pinpoint why it was so... Yeah, it's kind of the same thing where I can't remember my specific reasons for not loving it. But, I mean, I think part of it would have been fatigue from playing a really long game. And, Mm. uh, I mean, yeah, that was the thing with Inquisition is I quite liked it, but it was sort of... In a way, the same as Andromeda, where, you know, I liked the world and the people I was meeting for the most part, but just a little bit less than other Bioware characters. So there was nobody in that, apart from maybe um, oh, Tevinter Mage Guy. He was great, although I have forgotten his name. Darius? Oh, I... Dorian. Dorian. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was cool. He was the best thing about Dragon Age 3. He literally lives, like, not far away from Salisbury at all. <laughs> You can like bump the, into the, him that, in the stores. character. No, like, no, the actor, the guy, the guy who voices Lou's him. Just meeting a mage in the streets. <laughs> I wish. Have we got any other ones? I've got a couple, but uh, I want to know what you think. Let's leave Bioware alone for now. We've stomped <laughs> on them. I wasn't in love with the end of. Um, oh no, another game. I always forget the name of Planescape Torment Tides of Numenera. That's the one. Wow, you uh, got to the end of that one. You got, you got to the end of those six billion words. Yeah, and in fact, like I was ready for more words. Like it kind of felt. I mean, the last one, the last sort of act in that is a bit. It felt a bit rushed, and yeah, I was. I would have been very happy to spend more time with it. But um, one thing I do remember is, like, uh, how much do I explain of this? The the main. Like the villain of the piece is this changing god fella. Or wait, are you the changing god or are you the nameless one? You're the you're the body or the discarded body of the yeah. changing god. Don't yeah, you? okay. So you're you're a cast off and there's this of this guy that goes around swapping bodies to make him like to live forever, basically. And at the end you confront him and plot things mean he isn't the original one and there's been some I think AI mimicking of conscious thing, consciousness thing. Um, and I remember this moment where you, you confront him about that because you know this detail about him. And I just remember every dialogue option expressing a philosophical position that I wasn't happy with. Um, and like, yeah, it, it's just felt a bit... Because he, you, you say, well, you're like, they're all variants of now nah, you're not the real one. Whereas my position would be, well, what makes you you is all of the memories and experiences that you preserved and those were identical so I, I you know it's entirely coherent to think that that is the same person any other interpretation to me didn't make sense and then you end up making him doubt himself and yeah i just i wanted an option to be recognizing that metaphysical reality have you played so many yet matt no, I really need to play. Sorted out, please. <laughs> Every time you talk about philosophy on this podcast, <laughs> you really need to get on it. See, I said in the start that my problem with it is I got really bored when I got stuck like in the same section for an hour or whatever, where I just couldn't escape this monster and I was just stuck just, in a corner. Just look up a YouTube video. Ah, <laughs> oh, I want to play it though. But but the thing is, like, my brain just associates it with boredom now. <laughs> And it's not a logical thing that I haven't played Snowman, but ahead, but that is the reason. Tell your brain to shut up. <laughs> Can't be done. And now you can always, well, you can strip out the monsters now as well. So if you wanted to just get around that, mm, yeah, I know. I there is no good reason for me not to play Snowman. <laughs> um, have both of you played Tacoma? Yes. No, uh... I haven't. Oh, did you not like the ending of Tacoma? No, but to explain why, I'd need to spoil it absolutely you can spoil completely. It. Go, it's fine. Are you sure? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Because it is a good game. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> um, my problem with the Tacoma ending is that the game, the whole game is building towards a very obvious tragedy, and then nobody dies, and nothing bad <laughs> happens, and they all get rescued by a ship. Um, so you don't like mentioned. that it was a good ending? Or like a happy I, ending? <laughs> well, I... That's the thing, it was a happy ending but it was a happy ending in a way that felt like, you know the, the sealer in Lord of the Flies? Mm. It just shows up and 
that's it. Like, it's like, oh, don't worry about anything. It felt like it was all leading towards somebody dying or some bad thing happening. But then the game just didn't have the courage in the final moments to kill someone or to do something dramatic or to, you know, do something more clever than, oh, well, then and then they were rescued. I did a wally at the end of that movie. Oh, the yeah. robot and he's fr- his little like chip thing is completely frazzled and you're like oh well he's dead but you know he died as a sacrifice to the greater good or something and then I, was it eve yeah. just like sparks a, a burnt chip back to light and i was like no that doesn't work <laughs> that doesn't no make way. any sense <laughs> pixar gonna kill one yeah. <laughs> it did it did a disney it did a disney in a game that didn't feel like a disney it felt like, and there were very, very obvious cues to a tragedy, you know, being formed and, you know, all this foreshadowing and stuff. And like people's characters were being laid out and you like everybody there or, you you know, you see them, they're, they're, they're very rounded and like you can see their flaws and their, the reasons to like them and dislike them and how they get on with each other. It's a really well built game in terms of their characters, I think. Mm. Um, but then... There's one character in particular who is afraid of going into like cryostasis, and it, it takes everybody trying to convince them to do it, and they're afraid of doing it because they know that like one in a hundred people or high, one in however many people don't survive. And it just felt like to me, I just felt like if I was writing that story, he'd die, he'd die, <laughs> because it would be the most tragic thing. He didn't want to go in, and then he dies. Um, so it felt kind of like unearned. It it, it just. Yeah, but or something would happen. I don't know what, but it just felt like all these people were going to do this dangerous thing, and there was so many of them. It just felt like <laughs> there was no, there was there was something at stake, and then there wasn't anything at stake after all. If you know what I mean? Mm, yeah, it was. It, that's fair. Part of the reason I feel like they did it is because the Fulbright, I feel, are really averse to pulling a trope, like or to tropes. And I feel like for any one of these characters to die, it would feel a bit tropey. But the result is that the, the at the last minute, it feels really toothless. Mm. And I, I just, I just. They're picking the non-committal Bioware option. Yeah, I just kind of shrugged at the end and was like, okay, well, I guess it does have a a cool thing that happens after everyone gets rescued, and like a you know a little cool kind of thing happens, but it makes it even more happy. An even more good end. <laughs> and it, it just feels like I played this whole game was which was about a dangerous situation and there was actually no danger really to begin with. Because I mean, it, it was it, No, it, well there, there was danger in the sense that they could possibly have died. Yeah, but uh, but in hindsight, you when you when you complete the game you're like, Oh, the writers never wanted anyone any one of these people to die. Like, so they were never going to. So there was actually no danger. That, that's a very interesting perspective on what counts as a threatening situation for a character to look back at it and go, well, because I know that they worked out fine, they were never, that was always going to be. I mean, it's, it's just interesting because I never really, I can see exactly what you're saying, it's fair, but I never, I never expected them to die, really. I, I, I didn't feel disappointed at it. They all should have died, Matt. <laughs> they all should have croaked it. That space station should have blown up to smithereens. Um, Did either of you finish Far Cry 5? Because I heard the ending on that was a bit... Well, John hated it, I think. <laughs> I did, but I skipped every single cutscene in Far Cry 5, so I couldn't tell <laughs> I didn't. Uh, I didn't play it past uh, like a couple of hours. Um, but yeah, I've watched the ending. The ending is just that a, a nuclear bomb goes off, isn't it? And it turns out that the cultists were right all along. Oh. Uh, were they right, or did they just... Did the cultists not just have a bomb and blew everyone up? I, I, I don't know. I mean... I thought it was... I'm not sure. I guess I guess that counts as being right. <laughs> you say the end of the world is coming, <laughs> and then you make the end of the world happen. Uh, any? Do we have any more? Any more ideas for... Rubbish endings. I've, I've got Siren Blood Curse, which I know it's not like strictly PC, but you can get it on it's a PlayStation now. And I love to talk about why the game is bad, so <laughs> I feel like I want to mention it. What's Siren Blood Curse? Siren Blood Curse is a reimagining, kind of remake thing of an older game called Forbidden Siren. And Forbidden Siren, I just want to say, is 
absolutely amazing. The dubbing is terrible, but the game itself is, in my opinion, like one of the best survival horror games ever made. Um, but it's really distinctly Japanese. So when they made Siren Blood Curse, they decided to swap out most of the characters with American protagonists instead and sort of aim it at Western audiences. <laughs> And it just lost so much in translation, mainly because the main protagonist, they, so in the original, he's like this 16 year old, 15, he's really, really young, uh, kind of shy kid, Japanese kid. And in the, <laughs> in Blood Curse, they replace him with this like obnoxious teenager called Howard. Like, I don't know who, why Howard? It's just a terrible name to start. But there's a real punch to the Forbidden Siren ending in that basically this kid, Kyo Yasuda, he's like trapped in a parallel dimension of this, or version of this, uh, this island for all of eternity. He never gets back home and he's just left there to defeat the antagonists called the Shibito just over and over and over again. He's just trapped there. And it has a real punch to it. It's a really fantastic ending. But when they did it in Siren Blood Curse, it's Howard like prancing about and he just he's just so lame i can't not look at him and not think he's just an otaku you know what i mean so. um but he also like so kyoyasuda sort of fights things really stoically and silently but howard walks on the scene and he says for miyako which is like this girl that he's fancied or something <laughs> it's terrible it's so lame so it's, it's just, it's the same ending, but it's just so bad and completely lame in translation. So, so I just, vote that yeah. one. Okay. So you just, basically you don't like the new American boy. No, he's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> trust me, if you saw him, you'd agree. <laughs> okay. I trust you. You've reminded me of one of the best endings, which is, um, there's a point in Knights of the Old Republic where some merchant offers you is he a merchant? I don't know. Some space dude asks you to take a box to somewhere else and but says, you know, don't don't look in the box. And so obviously you do look in the box and you get transported into this prison with a prisoner that's been sat in the box for thousands of years who challenges you to a game of riddles and if you lose the riddles you're just stuck in a box. <laughs> and he gets out and exists in your body. I really like oh, that. That's so weird. <laughs> that's excellent. <laughs> that's a really not Star Wars thing to to pull as well. So wait, how how big is this box? It... I mean, it's it, like I don't know technology. It's it's like the size of uh, like a small box, a small loaf of bread. Yes. Okay. <laughs> Wow. You go into like this white void in which this weird alien walks up to you. Oh, that's a cool thing about it, actually. It's an alien you've never seen before at any point. And then like on the, at the very end of the game, you go to this, um, like you spend the game finding this map to a certain planet and that's, you know, scattered around the galaxy. And then you go there and you meet these aliens for the first time. And it's one of the aliens that was in your box. Nice. So we, so if you get stuck in the box, is that a game over? Like you can't yep. get out of that box. Yeah, you, you just have, have to load a save and you have to... do some middles again. <laughs> <laughs> That's excellent. Oh, so there's another one like that, which is um, in Rayman Two, I think. There's uh, a certain point. There's some witch that just says, like, just offers you a bunch of gold to stop doing what you're doing, and you can. And you just, if you just take the gold, you disappear off to an island. <laughs> and the last cutscene is Rayman lying on a beach in piles of gold. <laughs> Sweet. Uh, let's, let's think, are there any good, good endings? I'm going to say Soma, but I'm not going to tell you why, Max. You need to play it. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. Uh, what are the good ends? We need to give some counter examples. Uh... This is hard. Because oh, no. games are rubbish at ending. <laughs> I cried at the ending of a Half-Life episode 2. I was 8. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if it holds up. But that got me. At the end of Half-Life episode 2, the Combine appear and I don't, I can't remember what the weird 
worm pincer things are called. Weird telepathic worm pincer things. But they're holding up you, Alex, and uh, Alex's dad. And yeah, like the dad gets stabbed in the face in front of you. Or not even that. um, I can't remember exactly how they've done it, but you definitely see him brutally murdered in front of you and Alex is wailing. And yeah, that was that was horrible for an eight year old. (laughs) Was pretty bad for an eight year old. Um, and then the game ends, right? And then I'd say that's a bad ending because it's not really an ending. I mean, it's where it stopped, but it's not an ending. (laughs) Uh, It is where it stopped, though. They're not making Half Life Three, so. I mean, there was that thing where there was that official story that came out where they went on a boat to some icy place. I can't. There were there were a few more details than that, but not many. This wasn't like made into an official game. It was just a script that came out that you know is the closest we have to more of a non-ending than we got. Uh, no, have you got any other goodies? I can't. I'm trying to think about all the ones that have sort of impacted me in some way, but. Most of them were on the PlayStation exclusively. It's like Last Guardian just absolutely had me bawling. Anything actually by Fumito Ueda, pretty much. But I think the the end of season one of Walking Dead was quite a surprise for me because I thought the game was really kind of broken when I was playing it. I was just like, I don't, this isn't, eh, I don't know why everyone loves this game so much. And then I got to the final episode and I was absolutely in tears. <laughs> <laughs> it just came out of nowhere. It's almost like a sneak attack. Um, so that was quite surprising. So I guess that one, that ending's pr- pretty good. Again, in a leaving me in tears kind of way. I never managed to finish The Walking Dead because saves, it kept breaking my saves and I played the first episode about four times and the second one twice and it, like every single time I'd get to the end and it had broken my saves in some way. So I've just like, there is no way I can ever go back to that now because the tedium of slogging through those first five hours again it's just never going to happen, which is no. a shame because I've heard broadly good things, though recently some bad things about The Walking Dead. I think the ending kind of saves it in a way. Although I swear it won Game of the Year back when it was, which is really strange to me. But yeah, I think the ending kind of saves it. <clears throat> Tales from the Borderlands is, I don't know if it has an especially good ending, but it is especially good generally. It's a telltale game. No, I played that one. I never I played... got past episode one. Ah. <laughs> I played the Game of Thrones one. Um, I never got past episode one of that. <laughs> I, we made it interesting. I played it with my girlfriend and she played two of the characters and I played two of the characters. Um, so often our choices were at, at odds, um, which <laughs> felt real. I mean, like it felt felt better to do it that way. Otherwise, you because you would never make a choice at odds with yourself. Yeah. Um, Choice games are perfect for that kind of thing, playing it in like a group. Yeah. Uh, what else is a good ending? Um, it's also not on PC, which is rubbish, but The Last of Us. I love that ending. I think it's the only good ending in video games apart from Soma. Play Soma, Matt. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I haven't played that. To uh, the Moon. To the Moon is well good. Oh, mm. I can't remember what happens at the end. Um... It's sad, but also happy. Well, To the Moon is about rewriting a guy's memories so that he thinks like he's been to the moon. And <laughs> the end is him thinking he's been to the moon, which is nice. <laughs> <laughs> but he chooses that thing for a reason that you find out. Oh yeah, there was significance I've forgotten. <laughs> yeah, it's not just like you wanted to be an astronaut. That's the central mystery of the game, and then he, you find out that oh, it's the moon because of this romance that he had throughout his life, and other reasons. And you kind of you feel like oh yeah, of course I'm gonna let you go to the moon, mate. Of course. That was very effective by to the moon. It's startling how much I've forgotten about what I actually did in it. I really Do like you know what that? they're doing with it. Because it's kind of episodes now. Sorry. (laughs) I was just going to say, you know what we can do now? We can forget about talking about endings, and we can use this to the moon chat as a segue. (gasps) Because I know that Noah has been playing Finding Paradise. Yes, (laughs) I have. Which is by the To The Moon people. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of the sequel, I guess. Let's talk about that. 
brilliant. <laughs> it's really, really good. I absolutely love it. I think it's been a while since I played something with writing in it that's been that strong. And considering it's just kind of, you know, clicking to go through the dialogue, it's just the uh, characterization is so good of the two um, kind of protagonists. For maybe for people who haven't played it to the moon. Yes. Give me give me like the round up of what this what this game is about, what you do. It's basically you play these two doctors and they work for a company called Sigmund Corp, which um they grant people's wish it's kinda of like the Make a Wish Foundation, only it's science fictiony and you jump into people's sort of heads as they're dying and kind of remix their memories based on what they ask of you. So, you know, like the guy from To the Moon wanted to go to the moon, that's sort of what they had to do with that. Um, but in Finding Paradise, they're visiting this man called Colin, who he doesn't really want anything specifically changed. Um, he just wants to sort of pass on without any regrets. But generally, he's really happy with his life. So the two characters have to kind of travel through his memories and try and fix it based on what they see and kind of what they interpret as being good or bad experiences. And it's really, really interesting um, and really quite touching as well. <laughs> um, it definitely kind of had me a bit teary throughout some of it. It's, it's, quite, it's quite powerful, actually. Do you make decisions about what to take out or not? Um, no. I mean, the characters sort of do, but it's out of your hands. Most of the right. gameplay is just you looking through each of these memories and trying to identify sort of objects of significance, sort of mementos, so you can move on to the next spot in the timeline. So that's how you kind of travel. Yeah. So, for example, Colin uh, plays the cello, and in one area you have to you kind of use the cello to move on to the next section so you're really just trying to identify how to kind of travel through his memories and they observe as they go and they make their minds up they being uh watts and rosaline the two characters but yeah it's very interesting oh i'll definitely have to play should i considering i played to the moon like five years ago should i replay that before this or is it not i wouldn't necessary? yeah i don't think so because um i mean i was reading an interview uh with can gao and he was saying that basically it was kind of designed to be a standalone anyway so you don't even have you know because i didn't play the other the games before i played finding paradise and it made perfect sense to me but it was kind of designed to be standalone so it's not not entirely necessary but i'm sure it helps because i think there's a couple of in jokes in there <laughs> mm. but uh, other than that yeah no i think you'd be okay to to play it at your leisure did you ever play, um, what's the other one they did? Bird Story. I haven't got to that one yet. Mm. I haven't played that either, so I don't know if it's any good. I don't I know if it's the same characters or a same, like, concept. I, yeah. I can't remember either. All I remember is John absolutely hating it, and oh. so just <laughs> passing it, letting it pass me by. That's interesting, because he really liked To the Moon. Yeah, yeah, he was, he was gutted. Well, a bird story was sort of a short, wasn't it? It was sort of a short story. Yeah, kind of I think John was saying it just didn't it didn't have any impact on him. Like, it didn't feel at all meaningful. Mm. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Finding Paradise is... I think Colin is a character from the bird story. Possibly the main character? I'm not, I'm not entirely sure, but I haven't played it yet, so I, I don't really know. Cool, Finding Paradise. Right now, on personal computer... <laughs> I don't, I don't know why I feel the need to say that. I never say stuff like that. Um, I mean, we've been talking about a lot plug. of PS, <laughs> PlayStation games. Clarities. Um, Well, you've been playing a game that wasn't on PC before because it was relegated to PlayStation for years, but is finally out on PlayStation. Or, sorry, PC. Yakuza. Yakuza Zero. <laughs> I want yes. you to tell me how much or how little or how moderate, how a moderate amount of fun you've been having in Yakuza Zero. We're definitely on the in the moderate part of the scale. It's it's strange in that I am both like because I know Alice is in love with it, um, and I spent like the first three hours like baffled and sort of wanting to find out more but being definitely off put by its tonal inconsistencies rather than enamored with them 
So like the opening, it opens with you savagely beating a man. Um, and for a while you think you've savagely beaten a man to death. Uh, but it sort of, it alternates that with like, you know, you, you, you savagely beat a man. And then the next thing you're doing is um, punching some drunk people until they're sober, which works. Um, two people are having a fight um, and you go up and say, well, I'm going to beat you both up and that'll help. Uh, and it does because they sober up and have forgotten what they were fighting about and like help each other limp home. And it's it's lovely. Um, it's karaoke after that, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, and I was about to say, and then the next thing that happens is you go to a karaoke bar and it cuts to this, you know, absurd performing on a stage thing. Um, and then it goes back to talking about how the Yakuza are really cross with you for murdering someone. <laughs> I don't know what sounds good to me, man. Well, yeah, I mean, I was getting quite impatient with it. Um, because the first few hours are definitely quite... I mean, ah, it's weird in that a lot of stuff happens, but I still found it awkwardly slow. Like, um, like the, one of the first things is a lengthy bit where you've got to follow someone and walk through some streets. And I suppose you're supposed to absorb the incidental niceness of this rich city they've created. But I was just bored. I wanted more things to happen. Um, and yeah, but somebody... Cause I, um, I mentioned that I wasn't having an amazing time and somebody tweeted me to say, well, play until chapter three and then it speeds up and uh, gets less serious. And that is true. That is true for the most part. It still alternates between ultra serious mafia things and um, oh, what was the most recent absurd thing I did? Uh, I saved someone from a cult. That was fun. Um... <laughs> I bumped into a man in the street who, for reasons I can't remember, was estranged from his son and was watching him from over the street and felt nervous about chucking a ball back to him. Um, oh, yeah, that was, that was right. He needed to change his face because he was a really bad crime man, I think, and so he could never see his family again. Can't remember how that resolved. Uh, <laughs> Probably fine. Right. There's a bit where you're giving advice to people in a boy band. Um, <laughs> like these, there are these, uh, what they like, probably not punk rockers, but close enough to punk rockers that I'll call them punk rockers. Um, who are like this? They come up to you. They like they just come up to you because they think you look cool, as a lot of people in Yakuza do actually. Um. And say, hey, we've got this big problem. We're about to perform on this stage in front of loads of people uh, who think we're these really cool punk rockers, but we're not at all. We're just, you know, we don't know what we're doing. Um, tell us what to say. And so you tell each of them what to say um, as they do this little strange Q&A after they've performed a song um, in which you tell somebody that to say that he spends his spare time looking after puppies, uh, <laughs> stuff like that. and they <laughs> it's like after each thing that they they say it cuts to the crowd like either loving it or hating it and then it cuts to him to um oh jerry accuser whatever kiri that's his name <laughs> kiri yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, saying yes this was a good decision i am glad i told him to speak about the puppies in this ah, it is bizarre and i can i can see the appeal i don't know if it's going to keep charming me like i feel like the game makes perfect sense to like anyone who's just seen every Takeshi Miike movie ever made like Fudo Dead or Alive like the weird 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 Yakuza kind of film niche genre thing yeah, I'm not I'm not familiar with this at all <laughs> see I'm like no, huge right. so every time I play Yakuza I'm like I'm in a Takeshi Miike movie <laughs> Just pretty much, just without as much, you know, they don't use as much blood quite, but they use yeah, money instead so of weird. blood. That's a thing. Yeah, <laughs> money pours out of people when you punch them. Yeah, I like that little effect, fluttering notes. <laughs> I said the whole game is about getting money, and well, like that, a lot of it comes back to that. 
um, yeah, there's a guy that you meet who says, have you ever considered investing in yourself? And you say, what, what do you mean investing in yourself? And he goes, I mean, I mean, literally investing in yourself. And a menu opens up where you can spend money on improving your stats. <laughs> uh, I really need to get some R's into Yakuza because I've got it and I just have never started it. I'd be interested to hear what you think. Um, I've been playing a cool game for cool hackers called Exapunks. Ah, I'm very intrigued about this. It's the new um, Zachtronics game. Uh, mm. They're the studio who make... They've made loads of games. Um, Shenzhen IO and TIS-100 and Infinifactory and Opus Magnum, the kind of alchemy game that you can share your gifts of your alchemy machines and it's great. Uh, they make all those games. Um, and it's really similar to Shenzhen IO. You basically, you are a member of the Exapunks who are like this hacker enclave um, and you've got the phage, man. God, the phage is a degenerative disease in which your cells basically become circuitry. Cool. It's set in like an alternate 1997 and you're so your memory is rubbish and your body is like slowly turning into bits of wire and resistors and stuff. Um, not in a useful, cool way. Apparently, it's just your body will become a, a like a lump of useless material, like circuitry. It's like Tetsuo um, Iron Man. <laughs> it's really, uh, it's really cool. It's really neat. But um, like, so you're just kind of learning to hack things. So are you hacking uh, yourself or just hacking other things? At, at one point, yeah, you start to learn how to hack yourself. Like normally, you're hacking weird things, like a pizza restaurant. Uh, you hack a. Uh, what is it? A, a snack factory to make them build these peanut bars, but without the peanuts. Um, <laughs> it's it's really good. Like the 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 story is delivered via these kind of cutscenes, where a visual novel style. You know, someone will show up at your door, knock on your door, and they'll open the door and they'll say, "Hey, I'm gassed." You know, and they'll hand you a zine, and you have to learn how to hack from the zine and stuff like that. Which is a physical zine that you can get, like delivered to you in real life. Um, if you get the special edition or whatever, I'm not sure if they have any left, but um, <laughs> yeah, I got one. Um, and it's just a little. It's called Trash World News, and you open it <laughs> and you just learn how to hack from Trash World News Zine issue one. Um, but all the yeah, all the story is delivered kind of like in cutscenes. There's an AI that comes on your computer and starts telling you to do things. It's going to give you a dose of cure, or not cure, but like a dose of medication for your phage problem for each job you do for it. Hmm. Um, but the AI seems to be trying to figure out how to be human, or like what humans are like, so it can, I don't know why, either mimic them or be be more like them. Hmm. Um, that's fun. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, one of the things, it makes you hack the snack factory to get rid of the peanuts from the peanut bar because it's testing its own sense of humor. <laughs> so it, it says, I'm going to do something. I've got a hypothesis that this will be funny. Okay. So hack into this <laughs> snack factory, remove the peanuts from the recipe of the peanut bar, and then thousands of peanut bars will be will be made without peanuts in them. And you do it and you ca- you like you carry it off and you, you know, hit enter and you excuse me, you watch the peanut bars get made. Yeah, and then the AI finishes it and goes, hmm, so I've got a question. Was that was that funny? <laughs> I think it was. <laughs> and you have to like tell them, yeah, it was hilarious or uh, kind of, it was sort of funny. <laughs> but it is really, really genuinely funny when you're sitting there doing it and AI trying to test humour by just messing up peanut bars. Um, and there's loads of stuff like that. Later on, you do get to like hack your own arm um, and it's really like unsettling because the screen goes from being like a nice clean clinical screen of little computer symbols or little like computer nodes, like a tiled computer node where your little machines go and hack things to being to ha- still having those tiles, but having horrible like nerve, like stringy muscles all around them and stuff. And you're like, oh, this is definitely the inside of my arm. <laughs> and the mission there is to like to basically pass. It's very mad. like. It's not, 
the the day-to-day operation of it is is like coming up with commands and maths and stuff like that so it, it's quite a hard game um that that doesn't sound very fun at all no well, <laughs> this is like, play this game a, and do some difficult maths it's a zachtronics <laughs> game right so all the cool story thing is all hidden behind some maths it's not difficult for someone who's like half decent at maths but it's not a puzzle oh, no. game for everyone by any stretch but anyway, in this in this R in your arm, you have to pass basically a set of numbers from one nerve to another nerve, um, because the bits in between the phage has broken it down in your own arm. So you have to basically try and make. F- it, I guess the insinuation so is you have to try and yeah, you have to try and get feeling back in your arm. Um, so you put in a little spider robot on one end of the nerve, and you put a little spider robot at the other end of the nerve, and you try and get them to pass the numbers. That come in one end to the other, like communicate the numbers. Um, and long story short, I did this, like pass the connect, pass the numbers from one end to the other. But there was an error in my code, or I didn't account for something. So there was a huge spike in the numbers at certain times, and it's telling you your nerve ending should never go above fifty millivolts and below minus one hundred twenty millivolts, and mine were going to like minus 400 or like positive 400 the not those numbers are clearly shown in red so the suggestion there is i think that you're causing really really <laughs> harsh sharp pns in your own arm <laughs> anytime those high numbers are are shown so basically i did a i did a hack and i pressed enter and my character must have felt like horrible shooting pns <laughs> because i got some code wrong um, so it's it's little things like that that make the game really interesting. So I I really like Topaz Magnum, but have bounced off every other Zactronics game. I haven't tried Chun Z, but I tried Space Gem and Infinity Factory and couldn't get into them. Should I check out Exapunks? So you didn't really. It's it's closest to Shenzhen or TIS one hundred in terms of the little commands you do, and it's hard. It's hard. Like I love Zactronic games, but I've never I've I've never completed one. Because they get to a point where I get hard and I think, oh, I'll come back to this puzzle later. It's very, very taxing. And then I never do. And if I do come back, I've forgotten everything yeah. because it is about learning stuff. So I don't think if you didn't like Shenzhen or anything like that, then Exapunks probably isn't for you unless you really love the theme. Hmm. Um, I never tried Shenzhen because everyone said it was like the most impenetrable Zactronics game. No. TIS 100 is the most impenetrable Zactronics game. Oh, right. I've conflated those. I thought those are the same game. <laughs> They're really, really similar in that they the same principle. Shenzhen is a lot more approachable because it gives you a story and reasons to do the programming you're doing. Like, you can visualize why your programming is used in a certain way. Exapunks goes one step further in its visual effects, so you can kind of... Like, it gives you little spider bots, and you can kind of follow them around this tiled thing, and you can figure it out. The zine, as well, is is better written to try and make you learn it. But if I was going to tell anyone to play any Zactronics game, I'd probably tell them to play Opus Magnum. Or a lot of people say Infinifactory as well for approachable ones, but I've never played that one. See, I have played it, and... Like the problem is it's in 3D, so it's much harder to instantly parse what you've built. Like it, it's not just all of the information is right there in front of you on the same screen. You actually have to poke around and figure out, which you know kind of has an appeal of its own, but also makes the difficult task even more difficult. Mm. Which, if you're already finding things frustrating, is not ideal. I feel like Opus Magnum is is the high point for Zactronics games in terms of both difficulty, because it feels really satisfying to get your machine, your little alchemy machine, all ticking and clockwork and perfect. Um, But it's also quite easy to get your head around the basics, enough that you can make a machine. Like, all the games allow you basically to hack a piece of crap together and for it to work, but not be very elegant or good. (laughs) Um, But it'll work. And Exapunks is like that. Like I've, the things I've made are just trash. <laughs> They're just like loads of little spider bots running around talking to each other completely unnecessarily. Um, <laughs> but but if it gets if it gets a number from one nerve to another nerve, hey, you know what? Put 
10 spider bots in my body it'll it'll be, it'll be fine <laughs> this all sounds absolutely amazing and also horrifying because i hate numbers and spiders i'm just bad at them <laughs> yeah, and spiders <laughs> the numbers are less important than the logic of it um, yeah i also struggle a bit with that the logic part <laughs> it's it's definitely like a an acquired his electronics games are an acquired taste for sure mm. what else have anybody we should probably talk about what the readers have said about our worst endings oh i did just want to quickly say i've been playing loads of hammond in overwatch and hammond is a fantastic character who has supplanted genji as my like so when i play these kind of things i tend to just just play one person like whenever i can get away with it and for years that was genji now it's hammond because he's a hamster in a wrecking ball mech that has a freedom of movement relative to other characters that I've never seen before in a game. He gets to, he like, had... swing around on a grappling hook, doesn't yeah. he? Yeah, so he's got a grappling hook that means he can propel himself at, yeah, at speeds that other characters just don't come close to, including on some maps. Like, there are certain route, routes where you can jump off the edge of a map, slingshot yourself around a building, and be on, like, the important objective capture point in the middle of the map in literally three seconds. You're just, you know... you. Which is um, part of why he's so fun is there's so little downtime because you're just back, you die, and then 10 seconds later you're back at where you were again um, on certain maps. He's, oh, he's fantastic fun. You can also play volleyball with him, I've heard. Yes. (laughs) People have been making, um, well, some people on Reddit uh, did their own little Overwatch Summer Games thing where they got two Mercies projecting a net uh, back and forth. Uh, a Hammond as a ball and two Doomfists that would punch him back and forth. Over <laughs> the net. It's really neat. I love it. Uh, okay, let's see what our readers have said about their worst game endings of all time. We asked them what they were. Let's see. <laughs> I like you and Wilson's the never-ending games, where the ending involves a sentiment along the lines of, now the real game starts. Insert, you know, hours and hours of extra footage here. I was on Twitter. Yep, that's fair. A game ending is quite nice. If you get a game ending, well, that's like a super bonus. Matthew Castle is saying (laughs) a suggestion, which shouldn't really be allowed, because he comes on the podcast often enough. Can't escape him. He even swears in it. I can't read this out. We've got a no swearing policy. He says, the last <laughs> boss fight in the Metal Gear Rising is total dog poop. One moderately amusing line about nanomachines doesn't make up for the howler of a fight. Um, That's how amusing it is. This is fair. I think maybe what we really don't like is boss fights at the end of a game. Because you do a big boss fight and then you get a cinematic and that's it. Mm. That's what someone else said. I need to find that. Yeah, Arkham Asylum did something similar as well, when sort of the Joker did this really strange, he became like this big roidal monster for the final mm. fight, and it was so weird. Just totally weird. Yeah. Bioshock yeah, is I... the perfect example of this, isn't it? Because you get a big fight with a massive statue, you beat him, and then you get awarded a one-minute cinematic that's either good end or bad end depending on whether you killed a little girl or not. Um, and that's it. And then, you know, you're off. The bad end's pretty bad as well. It It's like all the splicers and horrible people come out of the water um, because a, a, a submarine is kind of investigating what's floating on the surface. And uh, they come out of the water and they take over the submarine. But it's a nuclear submarine. Oh no, now the splicers have a nuke. Um... <laughs> I didn't know it was a nuclear submarine. <laughs> yeah, it's like a, the last shot is like of a nuke and the voiceover saying, and now you have the weapons of mankind. Um, wow. I think like if you're writing a game ending and it involves a nuclear bomb, probably rewrite it. <laughs> Rob Knox says, Fahrenheit, as discussed on a previous podcast, it's got an op- awesome opening, which plunges towards an absolutely stupid set of endings. That's fair. Fahrenheit is Indigo Prophecy, isn't it? It's yes, the same. That, oh, okay, that, yeah, someone else right. mentioned that. A lot of people saying online game endings, like, or open game endings, where you've finished the story, but now you have to go and play and farm things, and there's nothing else. Well, those games, 
they they stop when you get bored. So your last memory of it is when you were bored with it. Yeah, which is very good it's point. Sort of inescapable. Uh, AJ says satellite rain may not be the worst, but it exemplifies for me a feel state of game endings in which a broad, varied game comes down at the end to a poorly envisioned boss fight and a sudden terse and anticlimactic cutscene. This is the comment that I saw earlier that I thought, yeah, that perfectly describes video game endings. I haven't played this, but I think it's pronounced Zelius on Twitter. It says Alone in the Dark on the Wii. They said they didn't have enough space on the disc and the last scene had no audio. What? (laughs) (laughs) Oh my word. (laughs) That's quality. He said he didn't think anyone expected to uh, finish the game. The ending of every civilization game is the worst because you you play, it's, it's kind of the same with open worlds, you play until you either stop because you're bored or you finish it out of a sense of duty to the hours in which you were having fun. Um, is someone else saying this or did you just no, come up no, with this on is, the spot? This is me. <laughs> we're, we're listening to our readers now, man. Come on. Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> That was like, it's a good, it's a good I had point, an though. interesting thought that was sparked by the readers. Thank you, readers. Thomas Wensley says, a bit of a personal one, but Ace Combat Assault Horizons ending went from Steer to Sub Clancy to Shark Jumpingly Team America in the last level, the lowest point of the franchise. I feel like I'd rather have Shark Jumping Team America than <laughs> Sub Clancy, so maybe it improved, but maybe it didn't. I've not played an Ace Combat game in years. <gasps> Sacrilege. Gary Chambers said Silent Hill 2. <gasps> but did, wait. Well, actually, because there's, there there's a dog endings? ending. Yeah. <laughs> there's the dog ending where yeah, he, sort of it's weird. a dog controlling everything yeah. via UFOs and stuff. Yeah. Or though the UFO ending is in the first one. It's a separate one as well. Yeah. Oh, I thought, I thought Silent Hill 2 had a UFO and a dog. Oh, maybe it does. I don't know anymore. Does it have a dog in a UFO? <laughs> that sounds like a pretty good ending. <laughs> The only good thing about that ending is the song, the dog song. <laughs> it's just a series of like tuneful barking. <laughs> How can there be a dog song at the end of Silent Hill? I haven't played Silent Hill, but it's a dog song, so so far away from anything I would imagine that game to contain. Um, I'll try and find that on YouTube and link to that, the Silent Hill dog song. Cause that's good. <laughs> Charles Williams says, Chess. Chasing a lone, <laughs> chasing a lone king around to check me, it sucks. <laughs> it's true. It's got the civilization problem. Well observed, Charles. What else is there? John Kennedy on Twitter says Assassin's Creed, which I was actually going to say earlier that with every Assassin's Creed game, I don't remember the endings. Like, I can't recall them with any clarity. Yeah, nor can I. They get ancient tech things in most of yeah. them, don't they? Isn't that how it usually ends? They beat they beat a boss and they get a tech thing and then somebody kind of shows up and says, but what does this mean? And then there's a cliffhanger <laughs> in the real world, you know, in the open, open world. Like mm. he gets out or somebody is, lets him escape or somebody... I remember Betrayal in, in was it Revelations? Where someone like turns evil. I don't think I've finished I finished Assassin's Creed game mm. since the first one, maybe. I think that's <laughs> entirely possible. <laughs> this is something that one of my friends actually said to me, was that if, if you're making a game, if you look at the statistics, probably less than 2 or 3% of whatever players will complete your game if it's a long enough game. So why bother putting a lot of effort into the ending? Like Alone in the Dark on Wii. <laughs> <laughs> I heard that as Alone in the Dark on Wii. <laughs> alone in the Dark. We've all got Alone in the Dark on Wii. <laughs> it is very true that most of the time I don't finish games for, I mean, often stupid reasons, like, I mean, the Soma thing, <laughs> which I really should go back to. Um, I remember I never finished The Witcher 3. That game is huge. It's, it is huge, and that was part of it. I was flagging a bit. But the real thing that got me was there was a bug. I, I can't remember the exact nature of the bug, but it involved these potions you could drink that would give you critical hits. But they weren't supposed to give you ultra-powerful critical hits all of the time. Uh, but a bug meant that that is what happened when I drank one. And so I just got caught in this trap where whenever I was 
beginning to get any resistance from the world, I'd be like, well, I could tough this out, or I could or I could drink the mega powerful crit potion, and just did that. And why didn't you tell me about this? Because I would have absolutely loved to have that potion, so I could just blaze through the fights even quicker. <laughs> Fighting is really boring in The Witcher. Oh, I quite liked it. What? It's dull. It's not the best, but I don't know. I guess I guess I felt like when I was going around and I wasn't engaging meaningfully with things, it, it yeah, it lost moment to moment satisfaction that kept me playing it. Even though I could have just not drank those stupid potions. Potions. I love a critical hit potion. Wish you could have one in every game. <laughs> anyway, let's let let's let's go. Let's leave. I need to <laughs> bored with this podcast now. I haven't told you guys this, but my brother's visiting and I've locked I've literally locked him in another room in the building so he can't make noise, so <laughs> I have to go and let him out. <laughs> Thank you very much for listening to the Electronic Wireless Show. If you have any themes that you wanna suggest or Things you want to tell us, you can email us podcast at rockpapershotgun.com. You can also find us on Twitter and Facebook and YouTube at rockpapershot. Noah is one of our video people, if you didn't hear that last time she was on. Uh, what, what Have you done any good videos recently, Noah? Tell us. Well, I was out for about a week. <laughs> no, before that, there was some. Um, uh, I did a We Happy Few sort of thing preview thing that was good i think <laughs> um i've been doing you should be playing recommendations as well uh, the last one i did i think was on amnesia uh a machine for pigs i kind of wanted to make a case for that one i watched that and enjoyed that, ah. that. <laughs> uh cool you're on twitter as well yes at critique quest matt you're on twitter as well you're coccyx um, at coccyx which is spelt with an extra X. <laughs> Can never have too many of those. <laughs> um, I'm Brendy underscore C if you want me. Um, that's all. We're going to go away now. Uh, cool. This is, this is a rubbish ending for our podcast. We need to do something better than this. Okay, listeners. Choose either happy or bad end. If you want the happy end, keep listening after the music. And if you want the good end... <laughs> But you've got to give him the non-committal choice. <laughs> oh, no, we need sarcastic end as well. It's not. I, I think it's very appropriate that the podcast about bad endings finishes limply. I think we should be oh, aiming no. for the worst <laughs> possible <laughs> ending we possibly could. Maybe just cut me off mid Go home.